the sales support center, which I ran, was um, to handle more of the administrative sort of stuff behind the scenes that still needs to happen and that supports the sales function, but that doesn't necessarily need to be done by um, field salespeople who really need to focus their efforts on sales out in the stores. So that was great because we built up a team. Um, so hired hired people, built a team of uh, of sales support personnel, right? Who did that kind of an administrative work on a day to day basis, supporting our sales team. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I am super excited to be bringing you a amazing entrepreneur, uh, Frank Gardner. Frank was uh, in our program uh, in the mid 2000s, top performer, and has gone on to, you know, create a number of really, really neat businesses, you know, in uh, the high end boat industry around creating the world's best triggers uh, to shoot guns and, and bow and arrows. And now he's moving into creating the only Canadian high-end bike that he's planning on launching in 2021. Our interview is in-depth, real, you know, and really, really amazing entrepreneurial deep dive in what it's like to be an entrepreneur through the ups through the downs and, uh, you know, the challenges of being in partnership and, you know, just the grit and the grind that it takes to be successful as an entrepreneur. So, you know, what I'm really doing is, is, is we're promoting these amazing alumni. Uh, we're putting our word out into the marketplace, our knowledge out in the marketplace with, you know, one purpose, and that is to find more people like Frank for our program. And, uh, you know, more 20 year olds, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds who are looking to become amazing leaders who want a big future. So if you know of any amazing people, we're coming to the end of our recruiting season. So please reach out to me at Chris at leaderspodcast.ca for any referrals and also any feedback on the on the on the show. Uh, You can share our podcast with others. You can rate and review. And you could also send anyone to studentworks.com or leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Thanks so much. Have a super fantastic day. Bye-bye. So Aaron, uh, thank you so much for joining us at the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Really excited to have you. My pleasure to be here. Yes. No, it's really, it's really awesome. And you know, I know we were we were catching up, which is uh, which is uh, fantastic. And I guess it's been a whole number of years since since you've been with us. And and what we typically will do, Aaron, is start like actually even before student works. And so to just ask, mm-hmm. like, what was it like, you know, while growing up, like as a as a teenager before student works? Yeah, I uh I was busy. I was hardworking. I always had a lot going on. 
I did well in school. I played a lot of sports, did a lot of different activities. I worked as well. I was a lifeguard and swimming instructor. So yeah, just a, a lot going on really would be dedicated. I was dedicated and focused on what I was working on. I remember just spending tons of time at the arena. I figure skated. So tons of time practicing jump again and again and again until I would get it right. Uh, or even I remember practicing uh, hurdles. I did track and field okay. in high school. So I remember running up and down the halls, just practicing over and over again, jumping <laughs> over those hurdles. So yeah, I, like I said, busy, hardworking, lots going on. But I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do with my career in the future. Right. So uh, that was, I think, one of the biggest things that led me to Student Works. Okay. So why don't we do this? We usually don't talk all that much about Student Works, but you broke the all-time rookie, sorry, veteran record. Yes. You know, and I just thought... <laughs> Anytime I get on the podcast, someone who, who, you know, was one of the record breakers, it's always mm -hmm. great to sort of dig into, you know, what was that like? Cause obviously, uh, you know, and I, I, I recall, you know, you being pretty steadfast and committed about, Hey, I want to, I want to hold that record at the end of the year. And I want to yes. go, go break that down and, 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 um, and, and take that on. So, so why don't you describe the, the mindset and the commitment is, it, commitment to go and accomplish that uh, at the time, Erin? Yeah, well, I remember my first year um, and it being very challenging. But as I went through and completed the summer, I really saw so much opportunity and I knew so many things that I could do better. Um, I knew what my strengths were. I knew where my areas to improve were. And I, I also knew that big uh, that big goal, that big record that was yeah. out there on the horizon. And I wanted to hit that. And I, I thought that I could, and I had broken down the numbers and, you know, figured out what I needed to do week by week. And I remember going home after the manager training at the beginning of the year in January. And I made this gigantic poster that was right in my room. The second you walked in the door, it had, and I think I still actually have it to this day. Awesome. I think I saved it and it's awesome. somewhere in the basement of our house. <laughs> but yeah, it said it had the, the number, the 200 across the top. And then I broke it down week by week with what my goal was. Yeah. And I'd see that every day. And every Sunday I knew that I had to fill in what my number was and, and that I needed to hit that in order yeah. to hit my big goal. So uh, just rallying people around it, building up my team to, to help me get there. Um, being, starting cold calling in January you with bet. a team of marketers in Sudbury. In Sudbury. In Sudbury. So <laughs> I remember, you know, knocking on doors and literally having icicles hanging off my eyelashes, <laughs> but people said, yes, people wanted their houses painted. They did. Yeah, and just putting together the systems, like I said, the the areas of opportunity that I saw to improve and to really take the business to the next level. I remember making making my dedicated painter team. So I had mm -hmm. a team that was that did just decks. Right. Inside, there's a lot of decks, a lot of yes. outdoor work to do. Decks and docks, actually. Yes. Um, and then there was an interior crew and then there was like a window crew. Um, so just very focused crews and the painters had a lot of fun too. It was, uh, we, we really tried to embody that work hard, play hard, have fun. Yeah. And everyone 
worked hard. Uh, everyone knew what the goal was too. Like we knew everyone knew that we were trying to break a record. Yeah. And we had a fantastic year and it just, I remember doing those sales weeks and then having some really, really big weeks in the spring Mm -hmm. and just the feeling of accomplishment when I knew that it was so close. And then when I actually did it, like that was a a huge feeling of accomplishment. Yeah. It's so awesome. And you know, we, we obviously get a lot of our existing operators who listen to our podcast amongst many others. And one of the things I always love to remind them is they're literally standing on the shoulders of all sorts of amazing people who went and pushed beyond, and then they pushed beyond, and then they pushed beyond. And, and that because everyone who pushes beyond, it sets a new mark. And then other people uh-huh. post Aaron go and break that record. And then they break yeah. that record. And it's, it really is everybody's contributions that make an organization really strong. It really is. Absolutely. Great. You know, one thing, again, I, I, I bring up the odd time, but a lot of times people think, oh yeah, kids these days, they're not this or they're not that. No, that is the human condition. Parents always, or the older generation always looks down at the younger generation. When what's true is like, you know, if your company's not dramatically better than it was a decade ago, you wouldn't be in business right? You're always going to be better, right? And just like a university is always going to be better because there are a bunch of smart people there really working Mm -hmm. hard to deliver great results. So why wouldn't they also be better, right? Weston, where you work, they're amazingly better, I'm sure, right? Just Mm -hmm. because again, otherwise they couldn't compete against all the other smart people. So, so it's, it's just kind of, you know, seeing that, and I want to just put that in. And, and again, I just so admire and, and, and thank our, especially our record breakers who really go and, and again, set a new standard. So well done. Yeah. Aaron. Thank you. Thank you. And I remember at some of the recent alumni events, talking to some of the, the newer record breakers, yeah. I know talking to, I think it was I can't remember his name exactly, but uh, the guy who broke my record, I remember sending him a message, Patrick, yes, Patrick. I remember sending him a message when I heard that to say, congratulations. And then, um, yeah, yeah, last year, this time last year, talking to Amir, Amir. Yeah. The the fellow who did 500,000 and yeah, how inspiring it was to talk to him and just see hear his mindset and his story and how he approached it. Um, yeah, like you said, just continuing to get better and better all the time and seeing people push the limits is really cool and really inspiring. Yeah, no, it's so, it so is. And that's wonderful. And and again, I know, uh, I put it down on my list, uh, this year, uh, my, my plan was to have another alumni event, Martin Johns, who is, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Martin, uh, or no, I know that I name. So. Yeah, Martin, yeah, I okay. definitely know that but, name. But anyhow, Martin Martin was sort of saying, "Hey, for the you know the alumni event you didn't come to here, come to this one." And I was like, "Okay, let's have another one sooner." Mm-hmm. And then we have this pandemic, so no luck. Yes, <laughs> uh, but uh, we will, we will. It's we're going to get out of this. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, one day, <laughs> one day, exactly. But so you leave Student Works, and so what do you still rely on from your days of of spending at Student Works? I think there's a lot that I still rely on. Uh, and one of the big things being the values. So do what you say has been a value that has re- resonated with me definitely my whole career since student works, mm-hmm. um, as well as relationships. Relationships are everything and they absolutely are. Work hard, play hard, have fun. I referenced that earlier. And yes. I think to, the, to this day, I'm very 
very good at the hard work part. Um, yes. The the play hard. I always <laughs> have to remind myself. Yes. To take some time and make sure that I stay balanced and to have fun. Um, again, that's kind of just been embodied in in what I'm doing, making sure that I enjoy what I do, that yeah. I stop and have fun and and just really take in life and enjoy it. And actually, like I was kind of saying when we were catching up before, this this pandemic has been a great opportunity for that and and with my son taking the time to really enjoy and have fun with him, even exactly. with the hard work. Exactly. The other thing I'd say that I still rely on from the program is the confidence that it gave me. So you know, starting running a business at 18 years old, having never had employees, having never uh, had clients and going out and, and doing all these things and running a business that really built up my confidence um, so that in the future, it really empowered me to, to be successful in the future and to know that I'd been able to be successful at something I had never done before that I had no experience in yeah, that has really just given me confidence to, to move forward in my career. Absolutely. And so, so why don't we, yeah, why don't we talk about your career? So, so, you know, obviously had a tremendously successful career at, at, at student works. And so what did you decide to do um, after graduating? So uh, I graduated in 2009, which is interesting because uh, that followed the, yes. the big, uh, financial collapse in the fall of 2008 and the recession that followed. I graduated with a BCom with a major in finance. So great time to be no finance, finance, no finance jobs. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, uh, there were, so there were five jobs that I had applied to coming out of university, um, in that recession and mm. I got all five job offers. Okay. So that was fantastic. I had my choice of where I was going to go work. Where I did go work, I didn't end up enjoying that particular company, so I wasn't okay. there for very long. But uh, shortly after that, I, I applied at Weston Foods, got a job there in sales. Right. So I was working directly with uh, retail stores, so grocery stores, bakery managers, um, working directly with our independent distributors as well, which you know them as the people who are out there delivering bread on a daily basis. Right. So getting my start uh, at Weston, working with the store level and the people in the field was a fantastic way to start my career there. And I know that that landing that job was, um, you know, very much in, due to my experience at Student Works. So, um, and that that helped me a lot. Right. And so, so was your first job more in the finance space? And like, is 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 that why you think maybe you know you like more the sales space, or what? what how, how did that how did that happen? Because I can see you know you've really excelled in the sales space. No, so my first job actually wasn't in the finance space. Okay, I did have an offer to work at a bank, okay. um, and I decided to decline it mainly because I was not very comfortable with the the interviewers that I had met oh, there. Um, okay, but uh, I had decided to to work um, in sales, but for a, a smaller HR company. Okay, and fantastic people who ran right. the business. It just it just wasn't for me. Okay, yeah. 
And that's good, right? Like, it's like, oh, okay, that direction doesn't make sense. You know, because I, it, you, like you said, you've picked well, meaning you pick good people, you pick, you know, and, and okay, that's not for me. And let's go yeah. find something it is for me. Cause that's yeah. obviously part of finding success in the world is, you, yeah. you know, you can't find light without dark. Um, you know, yeah, you just got to exactly. know what, what works. Yeah. And I was committed to giving that first job a, a, my best effort. Right. Um, and to see if I could make it something that I would enjoy. I was there for nine months. Right. Um, and when I realized that I, I just wasn't going to be able to do that, then I started looking somewhere else, um, awesome. which was when I found Weston Foods. Um, and I've, I've been there my whole, whole career since then. Uh, so over 10 years. So let's talk about, cause, because I, I know, you know, this isn't an, an area that I really know. Obviously everyone knows Weston. So, so, so of course, you know, or, or, or any Canadian listening, you know, they're, they're the Weston yes. Brad, but what does that territory sales manager role, what does that involve? How do you excel in it? You know, what are the levers that you push as a sales representative to do better than others? Uh, good question. You know, I think relationships was a, a real big part of that role. Uh, like I said, we were working every day. I was working every day with with bakery managers. So um, planning out their orders, planning out uh, displays in the stores. Um, things are obviously very different now. That was over 10 years ago. So right. technology has come a long way. Um, but using those relationships to... To achieve sales numbers, obviously, right. and and to build the business and to um, ensure our products were well represented, ensure we had um, beautiful displays, um, and yeah, working with our with our independent distributors as well was right. was was fantastic. Really, just understanding their business and just helping uh, helping them achieve sales uh, numbers as with well. Yeah, because yeah. one one of the things is I imagine you know obviously again you understand Weston understands the bread business the best and so they can come in to suppliers or their customers and say here's what so and so is doing down the road or in a t completely different market to really expand their business oh I want to see that right and so you're okay. able to share best practices you're able to sort of assist them so that they can achieve their goals and of course. When they're achieving your, their goals, they're they're achieving your goals at the same time. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And then I was just gonna going to kind of elaborate on some of the roles that I did from there. Yes, I'm I'm very interested. A sales operations analyst. So what was that, and what did you do there? Yeah, so that was uh, that was a very interesting role. Um, it was taking the experience that I had from working in the field directly with. Uh, the store level as well as the the field level, analyzing opportunities and also helping communicate in a very clear way. So communicating what our head office, um, what the head office team was doing, the the promotions that were being secured, the programs that were being secured, and communicating those very clearly to the field team because that mm. was an opportunity prior to that. Right. Uh, so really, yeah, just taking that, that experience from the field level and making sure that they had very clear communications, very clear objectives and very clearly understood what, uh, what the opportunities were and what the priorities were that they okay. needed to go after as well. 
So, by the sounds of it, then really one of the things that used to happen at Weston was it wasn't as clear. Was there sort of, you know, at that point in, in, in the structure of the business, like, you know, again, just kind of, there's not as much technologies, not as much tracking or, is, or would that be true? Or is that just something yeah, that yeah, you were really pushed upon? Was that a new focus for the business? It was a new focus at the time. So there was an opportunity to make communication a lot clearer. Okay. Uh, there wasn't a single source of communication prior to uh, yes. to me going into that role. So okay. the field sales team would get communications from various, uh, various people, various departments, and it was just a lot of information coming at you at once. Yeah. So being able to go into that role and figure out how to streamline that communication process, how to gather all the information from the various people, the various departments, and package that up into a nice weekly, I did like a weekly communication that had all of the information that the sales team needed for that coming week in one nice package that they could you know, go and refer to that one email Absolutely. rather than searching through 50 different emails to try to figure <laughs> out, okay, what was I supposed to be doing this week? Totally. What is the big totally. promotion? What's, what, yeah. what is the focus? Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun to be able to work on something that I could really take ownership of. And I'd yeah. say that that's one of the biggest things that I've enjoyed about working at Western Foods is they really empower employees to take ownership and be accountable. And that's, that is that's been fantastic for me because that's exactly what I like to do. I like to Absolutely. take ownership over what I'm doing. I like to to build something as if it's my own. So yeah. it's 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 really worked out well uh, in that yeah. regard. And that's what amazing organizations want too. They want people who, again, you know, give me an, I see this thing not yep. really working completely. I think we could create a structure that's going to work way better. And I imagine yeah. something like that is still working or even better than that because they built on that, that, that effort, right. To again, yeah. make the communication clear. I know in our business, since you've been gone, we're getting better and better again at how to communicate effectively, how to use new tools and technology to communicate effectively with everybody. And that's a challenge and, and all, way more of a challenge yeah. at scale at Weston, Weston scale, yes. whatever that is. Yes. <laughs> Enormous. So, and then what was next? You, you became a manager. So what was, what was that role like? And, and what, what, what did you, what did you, you know, experience there? Yeah, that was a, that was actually a really fun role. Um, so they asked me to run uh, what was called our sales support center. So it was a new department that was, that was created to be able to free up our field sales team to focus on selling Mm -hmm. and the, the sales support center, which I ran was um, to handle more of the administrative sort of stuff behind the scenes that still needs to happen. And that supports the sales function, but that doesn't necessarily need to be done by um, field sales people who really need to focus their efforts on sales out in the stores. So that was great because we built up a team. Um, so hired hired people, built a team of uh, of sales support personnel, right? Who did that kind of an administrative work on a day to day basis, supporting our sales team. So that uh, that was really exciting, and I was very. Uh, definitely very happy and very proud to have been put in that, in that role to build up that department. 
Fantastic. And that, that department still exists now and is still making contributions? It was rolled into the customer service okay. uh, department. So the, there's been a constant evolution of... How to do it best. Yeah, exactly. Constant evolution of how to do things best. So it does not exist in the in the, the exact way. way that it existed back then, which was many, many years ago. 2012, 13 by, by the LinkedIn post. So yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a long time ago and, um, Western foods has, has undergone a pretty massive transformation since then. Right. But yeah, it was, it's, it was great to be a part of that. And it's just been an amazing journey that we've been on at Western foods. Just it's very exciting to be part of an organization who's so committed to being the best. Yes. Exactly. And constantly improving and constantly finding ways to, to do things better. Yeah. Yeah. They're hundred, hundred plus years old. Right. And, and they're never satisfied, yeah. right. Always getting better, always getting better. A lot of times people see big organizations and they think, oh, bureaucratic. No, 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 no. Or, or yes, at scale, they, they need to do things the right way, but, but uh -huh. no really innovative, right. Or you wouldn't be achieving the results they're achieving. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like I said, Weston is fantastic in, in many ways, but especially in the way that employees are really empowered to, to take accountability, to take ownership. And in many ways, it's, it's a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit mm -hmm. where there is, there is some leeway to be able to be creative, bring forward solutions. Right. And yeah, I've been very fortunate to, to have a career there. Well, that's great. And so then you moved into the national account manager where you stayed a bunch of times. So why don't you describe what that role is like? Yeah. So that role uh, was also a lot of fun. So I uh, worked with head office levels of major retailers, lots of sort of day-to-day -day stuff, uh, securing promotional activities, securing displays, launching products. But some of the most the most interesting and the most fun things that I got to do in that role was negotiating contracts. Okay. So thinking of like, you know, very large um, contracts across multiple categories. I know you said a few times Western bread. Yeah. We're a lot more than just bread. We're right. we're across the entire bakery category. Okay. Um, and at that at that time when I was in that role, our businesses were just starting to come together. We used to have um, businesses that kind of operated um, individually, but uh, then we, they came together to, to form Weston Foods um, and, you know, bringing together the bread part of the business with the sweet goods as well. Right. And the, the frozen and the Ace Bakery. Okay. I didn't know you had Ace Bakery. Yeah. Big fan yeah, of Ace Bakery. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, Ace is the best. The Ace baguette is a is yes. a mainstay in our household. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that that role, um, yeah. So negotiating major contracts, uh, launching new products, so working on customer specific private label products was was very fun, very exciting. Working with insights to really understand consumers mm -hmm. and how the consumers shop stores, how they shop the bakery section, bringing forward solutions that uh, that would help to maximize sales, 
understanding both the the customer, the retailer's objectives and the consumer mindset as well, what the consumer is looking for. I also had the opportunity to work on some pretty cool uh, supply chain challenges and issues with with one of our um, big customers as well. Uh, We actually, one of our, one of the customers that I worked on they have stores all across remote and northern Canada. Right. So um, just thinking about the challenges to get bakery products to those stores. Bakery products are, are fresh. They're made mm-hmm. fresh. Right. They're typically delivered fresh. But when you're looking at getting product to, uh, you know, somewhere in the far north of no Nunavut or yes. the Yukon, and keep them fresh and keep them in stock, yeah. uh, it was it was very very interesting and just you know something that i never really would have thought that i would have worked on in sales Mm. but again having the ownership over that piece of the business over that particular customer i was really able to dig in and um and help solve some pretty challenging and complex problems so totally yeah yeah really (laughs) really fun to be able to work on that kind of stuff yeah no no it's that's no that's fascinating and and so so then what was next career-wise so where i went after that was our sales strategy department right um which is where i am today and sales strategy was a relatively new thing so i remember Mm -hmm. when i was in uh previous role that I was just talking about, about national accounts, um, the sales strategy department was just sort of getting started. Right. And going to where we are today, um, you know, we're a huge department. Right. Who really helps to bring the strategy to our sales team and helps to bring all of the head office, um, the internal objectives of the company and marry them up with that of the customer um, to bring forward solutions um, and, and ultimately to hit our budgets. Right. So sales strategy has been um, just a fantastic step for me personally in my career, going from managing individual customers to seeing the organization in a much, much broader light. So getting to know all of our customers which include retailers across all of North America, right? Um, getting to know sales teams again across all of North America, across many different nine different categories in total. So, and at, at this point, I'm I'm focused on um, two of those categories, but just really getting that broad, broad business perspective mm-hmm. across all of those customers categories. Um, the priorities of the business and again, working on very complex situations um, and being able to be a leader in the room who brings forward the, the customer's perspective mm-hmm. and making sure that when we're, when we're working on these complex challenges, that the customer is always a priority. Right. Because if, if we didn't have our customers, we really, we wouldn't be anything no, without no. our customers. hundred percent, hundred percent. So they're, they're always um, of utmost importance. Um, and yeah, like I said, just working, working on some really interesting projects, uh, really, really complex um, challenges and, and having the opportunity to, 
to be there, to be in the room, to, to be bringing the expertise from the sales team yeah. um, and to make sure that we're, that the strategies that we're developing are going to work for our retailers, um, for our sales teams and, and ultimately for the business. Yeah, no, well, well, and I know, you know, uh, congratulations. I know, uh, uh, you, you, you're, you're at the director level 10 years out and that's really, really, uh, an incredible accomplishment. Thank you. You know, and, and, um, you know, really speaks to, again, that, hard work that you exhibited before as a hurdler, um, as, as an <laughs> operator. And it just, it just, yeah. keep, it keeps showing up, you know, I'm just focused and, 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 you know, and again, driven to, again, like you said, find what matters, like, and again, ultimately in a business, it's always about the customer and looking to really, again, mm-hmm. please the customer, have the customer be super, super happy. Like we are yep. about ace baguettes and, yep. uh, <laughs> And go out of our way to get them, you know, and that's, and that's, that's, that's kind of what it, what it's always about. And, and I know while having this fantastic career, you've also Mm -hmm. developed an, another enormously successful business with your partner. Um, So maybe you could also, also talk about what, 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 what that's been like. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so my husband and I uh, also invest in real estate in our spare time, Mm -hmm. which is few and far between, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) evenings and weekends. Yeah. We started in, in our early twenties. Um, and I should mention too, for the listeners, I I met my now husband through student works. (laughs) Uh, he was a fellow operator. Um, but yeah, so in our early twenties, we're just looking at, you know, how can we set up our financial future for success as well, not counting on, you know, big pensions or anything. Yeah. We kind of kind of just discounted any of that and yes. thought, okay, how are we going to set up our, our financial futures for success as well? And that led us to real estate. So uh, we started starting investing in real estate, yeah, over 10 years ago, about 11, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And thought that would be a, a great a great venture for us to do on the side and to yeah. build up a bit of a portfolio. And yeah, I mean, what our what our weeks would kind of look like when we were in our early twenties and we'd we'd buy a property, we'd pack up our car on a Friday night after a long work week, pack up the car with our painting supplies, our cleaning supplies, some home renovation tools, and an air mattress, and we'd go. Okay. We'd We'd, uh, you know, clean a room so we could put an air mattress in it and, you know, wake up Saturday morning, work all day until we were too tired to work anymore, do the same thing Sunday, and then head back home for another busy work week. Yeah. And if, if it was, if it was a little bit later in the project that we were doing, we might stop. uh, So our, our properties are mainly in Hamilton and in the Golden Horseshoe area. And just sticking with the work hard, play hard uh, theme, <laughs> the Centennial Park, there's a there's a water slide park there. So, and they have a sundown special after four o'clock on Sundays. <laughs> so, awesome, awesome. There were some summers where we spent, you know, eight weeks in a row renovating a house. And we'd be like, okay, it's Sunday. We need to do something fun. Let's go for the sundown special and go down some water slides at the awesome. end of the day on a Sunday. So um definitely hard work we built up some serious sweat equity yeah in our real estate portfolios uh real estate portfolio and um all of that 
hard work um, has really definitely paid off. I mean, we've seen we've seen property values in the in the Golden Horseshoe area just climb and climb over the past yeah. ten years. Um, we've had our fair share of issues too with tenants and you know learning curve. Yeah unexpected costs and, and challenges, yep. of course, yep. you know, so, yep. so how many properties are you and Martin up to? Uh, so we have seven now. Seven. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 And it's, and it's, and it's one of those things for our, for our leaders, you know, it's, it, it really is, you know, a, a commitment over time, right? It's a commitment yes. over time. Like, you know, real yep. estate is, you know, don't think about it as, as oh passive income, you know. Later on, it, you know that mm-hmm. may be how how they play it out and put put a property manager in charge. But early on, yep. it's it's sweat equity. You're building it. You're 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 painting it. You're renovating it. You're you're finding the tenant. You're replacing the tenant. And it's just it's an Absolutely. enormous amount of work. And on the other hand, you know, uh, I, I I know that you know you're 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 again you've done extremely well. Uh, and congratulations to you to you both for 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 making that happen. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been it's been hard work, but it's also been fun. I mean, mm-hmm. I love renovating a house and finding a house that yes. has great bones but looks terrible. Yes, and that's kind of been our our um, our niche is finding things that look terrible but have great bones and fixing them up, making them look beautiful so that mm-hmm. we can um, attract great tenants. Uh, yeah. And yeah, at, you know, we've learned a lot um, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of tenants who've been in our homes for years and years and years. Now. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. 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 It really is. Yeah. So, so it's, so no, it's, it, and, you know, and, and again, I know like with, with learning about real estate, I know there's just so much to learn. Mm-hmm. to do it right. Did you guys take courses? Did you, uh, or what, what, what did you do to get, to get knowledgeable so that those first decisions yep. were good ones? Yeah, that's a great question because there's so much information out there and there's tons of seminars, tons of groups. Yeah. Um, when we were just getting started, we, uh, we read a book um, by a fellow named Don Campbell, and he's got a great system. Um, so we really liked that that he kind of laid out real estate investing in in a, in a very systematic way. And we did a lot of research mm-hmm. in the areas that we were considering. Um, I remember going going to Hamilton, going to their city hall economic department, setting up a meeting with them. Oh wow! You know, we great. were a couple of young twenty something year olds going to meet with these economic developers uh, or I don't remember their roles exactly, but um, folks in the economic department and the great city of Hamilton and asking them questions like, why should we invest here? Um, What are you doing to, to improve the city? What are you doing to invest in the future of the city? Right. So really understanding the, the area. Um, and if you think back to Hamilton 10 plus years ago, um, it was probably not a first choice yes. <laughs> for, for a lot. Of right. Things. That was why there was the opportunity. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, looking where it is today and, um, just the, the people that it's attracted, the, the industry, the, um, the gentrification yes. that they've done and that's, that they've experienced and also just the migration of people from Toronto yes. house prices in Toronto have become unattainable for many first time buyers. Oh, for sure. So many of them have gone out to Hamilton 
so yeah, that all, all of that research, um, building up our team, mm -hmm. uh, finding a great realtor who really knew and understood the market, um, who knew and understood investors. And, um, she's, she's a great advisor and mentor for us to this day. So yeah, build, building up that team, doing the research in the area. And then once we committed, you've just got to commit, like you've just yes. got to jump in and do it. And a lot of people talk about doing things and, you know, like the idea of doing something, but yes. it, uh, at the end of the day, just have to kind of jump in and do it. And some of the learning is going to be hands-on. A lot of the learning is going yeah. to be hands-on and it, it was very hand, very much hands-on learning for us. But yeah, we did, we didn't take any courses in particular. Okay. We also relied on a lot of our, of our friends, um, a lot of other student works alumni. Yes. Um, from we're doing similar era. things. We're doing yes. similar things. So definitely having a lot of conversations, um, with, with those folks and, and we definitely leaned on them for, for some early advice, um, early systems and document sharing. Um, so yeah, that they were definitely very helpful in getting us started as well. Yeah. And that just shows the value of a great network, right? Like, and then keeping yep. that network Absolutely. and you and Martin both, you know, really, again, network, met a lot of really amazing people, know a lot of amazing people, and then, you know, kept those relationships alive, which is, which is awesome. And, and, and then you can add value. They can provide value. So, uh, uh, yeah, no, that, I think that's just so amazing. And, and again, it just speaks to, you know, it is possible to do, and it takes a bunch yep. of hard work. It takes a commitment yep. over time. And now I know you two are, are really smiling that, Hey, we did all that work. And now you've got yeah. a bunch of choices. You could, you, you could keep it. Well, it will just keep growing, but, but yep. you know, you're really, really, um, in a great spot. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's given us options. Absolutely. Yeah. So what about biggest failures or mistakes thinking back like any any big f failures mistakes setbacks that you see and what did you learn from them yeah yeah so that uh that's a tough question i was thinking about that and trying to think how i was going to answer that and and the the biggest mistake that that i can think of that i've made uh it was related to to real estate we deviated from our system ah. was the mistake okay uh so we're eager to fill a property. We had some tenants leave and, you know, we just wanted it filled. We'd been there a couple times to do some showings and we found some people who we thought were a decent fit, but we didn't do the same due diligence as we always did. There were some warning flags that we probably should have seen and should have yeah. caught on to, yeah. but we we're just eager to get some people in the property and, um, we really should have just waited. We yeah. should have waited in a, another month, let the property stand vacant for a month or two until we found the right people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was very, very costly. Yeah. Very costly mistake if you get some bad tenants. This uh, We ended up hiring a property manager to, to deal with this one, uh, one tenant that the situation just turned south real quickly. Um, we didn't know what was going on in the house. Um, when they finally got them out and got into the house, the walls were all painted deep red and the trim was all painted black. Um, luckily, you know, that's probably the best case scenario. For sure it is. <laughs> we yes. were very yes. lucky yep. that that's, and, and, you know, a bunch of garbage left inside and, and a gross fridge. But, you know, that's best case scenario. 
we, of course, were very upset because we had just painted that property in, in beautiful neutral colors and yeah. beautiful paint job. But um, but it was still very costly to get out, get bad tenants out to do the repairs, to get the clean out done. Yes. And, you know, since then, we've just been super, super diligent in sticking to the system, sticking to our detailed screening checks, um, and really knowing who is living in our property before we give them the keys. You bet. Yeah. It literally is tens of thousands of dollars that you can be at risk for and more. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. just, it's, it's just so monstrous and it's it's just such a great example i know i know we took you know recruiting really really seriously back in the day when you and martin were district managers with us and mm-hmm. now we even take it more seriously we've just again just yeah. moved the, the 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 notches up and the qualifying up and up and up and it just makes all the difference you know finding those right yeah. people you know to do business with you know, and then it yeah. lasts longer and it, you create yes. more value uh, for, for, exactly. for everybody. And it's, it's yeah. just, it's just so great. And those failures slash mistakes just create value because we're never going to change and you're never going to change either. Right. So it's like, Hey, we've, you know, you, 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 it, it, you if you, if you look at it, right, it, you can really see the value in it. Yeah. It just really helped us. Um, learn and solidify our system and improve our system too. Exactly. Exactly. So as you went from being a, you know, university student to a business owner, value creator in the full-time world, what did you need to change about yourself, Aaron? I think one of the big things I had to change was not taking things personally. Okay. In, yeah, in the business world, really just, letting things roll off your shoulder. Like if you let, if you let things bug you, if you let decisions, um, if you take them personally, it can, can really bog you down. So learning to let those things just roll off my shoulder was, uh, was a learning I had to, I had to do. And also accepting that things won't go according to plan. And in fact, expecting things won't go according to (laughs) plan. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, every, every day, um, you know, going into work, I can have the best laid plans of here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. But things change throughout the day. There's different priorities, different things come up. Um, and just, you know, accepting the fact that plans aren't going to stay the same plans are going to change. And again, just being able to roll with it, being super flexible. And I'd say the, the third big thing that I had to change about myself and not change, but I think it was more just a, an evolution of myself was becoming uh, a super factual decision maker. So just, okay. you know, big, making decisions really based on facts, um, not letting uh, emotions weigh in too much. And especially when it comes to the, the real estate investing part, like really looking at, looking at the numbers, looking at right. things factually. Um, this is not, you know, a home that... I'm going to live in for the next 50 years. Yeah. This is a this is a business. This is a business decision. Um, how did the numbers look? How do the how do the facts look? And just making unemotional decisions based on facts. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I love that. And that's difficult to do, right? You know, because you know, we've got these emotions yep. and feelings about things and and really looking at again the business proposition, right? And so mm-hmm. so just just for our leaders, you know, how many homes do you typically look at before you, you know, 
make a decision and, and, and make an offer or, you know, end up buying a home? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and it's changed a lot. So when we first started out in real estate investing, our realtor brought us through tons of properties. Um, I couldn't even tell you how many, but it was a lot mm -hmm. uh, to really just get to know what was out there. We've probably looked at hundreds of homes in the right. Hamilton area. But then since then, and definitely the more the properties that we've bought more recently, we really haven't looked at very many okay. because our realtor, Karen, understands what we're looking for. She knows what we're capable of, what we're willing to do. And she just brings us properties that are fantastic, especially in a competitive market, which right. the real estate market has gotten so competitive in the last um, few years. Yeah. So being able to, to have someone like that who is going into the home, seeing the homes for us. And to be honest, we don't have the time. Like as our careers yes. have grown too, we just, yeah. we simply, and our family, we simply do not have the time to go out and view properties. So the last property we bought, actually, um, we didn't even see it in person before we, before we put the offer in. Love it. We, had, <laughs> we had Karen do a FaceTime walkthrough with us. And she said, this is why this property is great. It was a, a private deal that she had come across and she said, I think this is going to be something really good for you guys. And uh, yeah, she did, she did the FaceTime walkthrough. So by the time we got to the property, we'd already had a, a signed agreement for purchase and sale already given a deposit. And we were just there to, to check out and make sure everything um, was as we expected and to, to go through and do a detailed inspection. And obviously that's because you've, you know, she's been providing tremendous value for you for 10, 11 years. So, so there's that, exactly. that trust yeah. and confidence and isn't that awesome? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Just yeah. love that. So um, what key habits would someone want to steal from you? Some of our young leaders listening. Uh, I think the first one would be just having an unshakable vision. So having a vision, committing to it a hundred percent. And just focused on it. So like, like the record-breaking example, really just having, having that goal, having that vision and working towards it day in and day out and always having that on the horizon um, and knowing what, what I'm working toward uh, has been a great habit for my success. Uh, and being fully committed to success. So again, when I, when I have vision, when I have a goal, I'm 100% committed to seeing it through. And whether that's a, a big, huge goal, um, like the record breaking or, you know, like the real estate stuff or a sales target at, uh, at work that I am working towards mm -hmm. uh, or, or even just a project that I'm working on or uh, anything really, even, right. you know, a, uh, at, at Weston, I used to be on our, our social committee. So even just if I'm doing something, I'm taking ownership of it and I'm doing it to, to the full, to its full potential. And I think the final habit that, that I would share is, uh, and I think you can kind of get it too, from, from a lot of the stuff that I've talked about is not being afraid of hard work, yes. not being afraid of sacrifice for sure. And knowing why. I'm doing that, knowing why we're doing that. I know my my husband um, had a had a great thought for 
the sacrifice. Like we want, we missed seeing Crosby's golden goal at the Olympics. Uh. Um, cause we were, we were at a property, um, doing, doing something or other, but we were willing to make that sacrifice cause we knew, okay, maybe next time we can be there in person. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. No, well, well, uh, that's fantastic. Um, you know, and again, I just, I just so am impressed by the enormous progress you, you both have made. Congratulations. Um, and one final question, Aaron. So when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? I think a leader of tomorrow is adaptable, uh, especially given 2020 and the year this is shaped up to, <laughs> to be, you know, being a, an adaptable leader is, I think, key. Being a leader who's quick thinking, who can move swiftly, navigating an ever-changing world. I think leaders of tomorrow are creative. We need creative people out there looking for solutions, uh, looking for opportunities to improve our world. And I think leaders of tomorrow are, are positive, the glass half full, um, and also kind and full of integrity. And I think we need leaders who stand for something and stand for something good so that we uh, can help make the world a better place. Fantastic. Well, I, I, I agree with all those sentiments. So, uh, you know, Aaron, I'm so appreciative of you, uh, making time on your maternity leave to, uh, to, uh, you know, share with our amazing leaders and, and, uh, I know I will reach out to Martin um, in the future to have him on and we'll yep. get his amazing story as well about all the success he's had. And and I just mm-hmm. wish you and your family continued success and uh, uh, look, so forward, look forward when we get out of this that we'll, uh, we'll get together again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for having me on the podcast. It was great to go through this and just uh, and chat. And I, I hope that uh, the listeners get some great value out of this. And great to catch up with you, Chris. And I wish you all the best to you and your family as well. And hopefully, hopefully we can see each other soon. I know. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, take care. Thanks. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.